0: This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Welcome to the Cherryleaf Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be looking at dealing with being laid off and being made redundant. In January 2023, there were quite a few layoffs in the tech sector. It's reported that Google laid off 12,000 people. Microsoft, 11,000 people, Amazon, 18,000, and Salesforce, 8,000. And there's also been layoffs at Meta, Cisco, Spotify, and other organisations. Being laid off can be tough for a lot of people. There can be the loss of income and the need to still pay the bills. The larger companies often, they can give you a six-month redundancy payment, And there can be pressure to find a new job before your money runs out. And for lots of people, their identity is tied up with their job. The job can give them status, self-worth, and their social life can also be tied up with their working life. And even when you're told that the reason for being laid off is because the job is being made redundant, rather than anything you as a person have done, it still can be very hard to take. In the dim and distant past, when I was doing my bachelor's degree, we looked at the stages of post-redundancy and how people reacted and behaved. I thought it would be useful to share that information. The research at that time showed that many people took the opportunity of having a break. They wouldn't necessarily move straight from one job into another. They would take time to have a holiday, do some jobs around the house and gardening, rest and recover. Then they would start to look for a new job. And for many, they would be successful in finding a new job and starting in their new role. But in some industries and in some regions, some people suffered from long-term unemployment and they would develop their own routine, which could involve watching a lot of daytime TV, going for a walk, and doing other things to fill the day. For those people, it could be very hard to break that routine and get back into full-time employment. Things have changed in recent years in that unemployment benefit has become job seekers' allowance, and there has been greater emphasis and support on helping people find a job and avoid falling into that trap of being long-term unemployed. And one of the advantages of being a technical author, a technical writer, is that it's a role where there is an ongoing need for people with those skills. It's not in a declining sector, such as a smokestack industry. I thought it would be useful to share some of the advice that we give to people who contact us when they're looking for a job. In case you don't know, one of the services that Cherryleaf provides is the placement of permanent and contract technical authors. We have a specialist recruitment service. The first bit of advice is to actively look for a job. That can involve letting the agencies know that you're available for work and your skills and experience. Now, recruitment agencies aren't like an actor's agent. They're not typically going out and phoning prospective employers saying, we've got the perfect candidate for you. Recruitment in tech tends to be driven by a vacancy that a company has and then advertising it and then selecting a suitable set of candidates to put forward. So this means in addition to you sending out your CV to agencies, it's also worth you looking at what vacancies are around and then applying for those jobs. Job hunting in many ways is about the process as well as the result. It can be like sowing seeds in the ground. Sometimes you need to do things that won't necessarily result in something immediately. So that can involve getting into a regular rhythm of applying for vacancies that might be out there. You can also let people know that you're available for work on networking sites such as LinkedIn and social media sites. Some agencies and some companies search on sites for people who are available and you need to bear that in mind. They will search typically on keywords to find potential available candidates. So in your messaging, in your profile, you might want to consider what keywords that somebody would be searching on. Whilst I said an agency might not be going out and promoting you like an actor's agent does, people do get jobs by recommendations, where somebody recommends you to a company. And this is where networking can help you find a job. Networking is about relationships. And the general stages within networking and relationships in general is Know, like, trust, and then trade. So you can use networking to get people to know who you are, by how you behave on networking sites, at networking meetings, and you can get them to like you, and over time, at a deeper level, trust you. By that I mean they would be comfortable recommending you. You won't let them down, or the organisation down, or make them look silly, if they recommended you. So networking is often about being useful, being known, and being liked. So this can mean answering people's questions on forums, sharing your knowledge, you can solve people's problems, so that you can build a reputation. And through that, it may be that people might know other people who are looking to recruit somebody. Be known, be useful, be light. And we saw from the interview that we did with Diana Logan that that's a route that's been used by some people by contributing to hackathons, for example, by contributing to community forums, and then being offered a job permanently at organisations such as the one that Diana works for, GitLab. In this situation, you do have to be careful that you're not going to be exploited, It's unlikely, but you might want to limit the amount of time that you commit to doing things. And of course, there are those awful tales of organisations asking people, especially graphics designers, to do content for free in exchange for, in quotation marks, reputation. There's no escaping a lot of this reputation building and networking like this podcast. is done without getting paid for that work. Some people use sites such as Fiverr to get paid some money and they work on the basis that the first projects they do are done at a very low rate and they build a reputation and then for future projects they charge a higher rate. And I know one person who built his very successful software company by doing that. He grew a portfolio of customers and case studies that he could use when bidding for future work. I'm not convinced that this approach works for technical writers. And one thing to bear in mind with sites such as Fiverr is that you're competing with candidates from around the world who may be living in countries where their cost of living is considerably lower than yours, which gives them the ability to bid more cheaply than you. As I mentioned, this can involve spending quite a bit of time without necessarily any immediate results. It's similar to becoming fit, losing weight, learning a language. There's a need to be disciplined to find a routine of doing constructive, active activities that will take you closer to your goal, in this case to being employed. So that could mean allocating a certain amount of time per day, doing searches for available jobs, or writing responses to questions on forums, or writing blog articles, or creating examples on your website or websites such as GitHub, or volunteering for hackathons. Unfortunately, for some people, they do all of this work and they still can't find a job. As I mentioned so far, there's always been a need for technical writers. However, the skills in demand have changed over time. So there may be job vacancies, but your current skills and experience are not a good match for those. So another thing that you can do is build up your skills so that you increase your chances of filling one of those jobs that are available. You can look at the skills that are listed in the job vacancies, compare them to the skills that you have, and identify where there might be gaps. You could take courses. Cherleaf offers courses, and others do as well. And there are also sources of building up your skills that are free. For example, you can listen to podcasts. There's lots of useful information on YouTube. Google offers a range of free courses. And then there are the MOOC courses offered by universities. And again, things like hackathons and Google Season of Docs can be a way of building up your skills and also adding to your CV experience in certain areas. The Write the Docs conference has a writing day, and the Write the Docs conference also publishes all of its videos from the presentations onto YouTube a few weeks after the conference. Another thing to think about is that finding a job is a bit like making a sale, in that there's a funnel aspect to it. So you might need to get five job interviews to get that one job offer. And remember, there's generally only one person recruited for every vacancy. So you can end up in a situation where two people are perfect for the job, but they'll still only take on one person because they've only got one vacancy. Although it can be dispiriting, what you can do is use the experience from each interview to improve how you respond and act for the next interview and increase your chances of being the person that's offered the job. You can also use sites like itjobswatch.co.uk and recruitment sites such as Indeed and Read to get a sense of the skills and the salaries that are being offered and looked for at this moment in time. So what about going freelance and setting up your own company? Being laid off is often the impetus for people to set up their own company. And running your own company is in many ways like moving away from home. You have many freedoms, but also many responsibilities. It suits some people, but it doesn't suit everyone. And again, this was something that we covered on my bachelor degree course as a word of warning. Now this was talking about people being made redundant from the industrial sector. So this may not necessarily hold true for the tech sector, but what would often happen is that that sometimes people would be made redundant. And what they would do is they set up their own company, essentially doing the same thing as the company that had made them redundant. They would buy equipment, often secondhand, And they would win business often just on price, being the cheapest, the lowest. They would price their services or their products at a lower price than the competition. The problem with this was that they didn't have enough money, either through the profits that they earned or through their ability to borrow money, to be able to replace equipment when it got worn out, which ended up with a business that wasn't sustainable. In the tech sector, this is less of an issue. There are low barriers to entry into a marketplace and as a technical writer, you don't need a great deal of equipment in terms of hardware and software. And it is possible to rent equipment on a monthly basis, to get accountancy services and legal services on a monthly basis paying for these things each month. And this can help you with your pricing. It can make it clear to you what the minimum amounts that you need to earn per month in order to pay the bills and to give yourself a decent salary. And setting up your own company can be an opportunity for you to implement the ideas that you might have had on how the business that you worked for could have been run better. Madcap software began when a development team was laid off in the States and the company relocated the development to India. So the development team in the States created their own company, Madcap Software and built and designed a help authoring tool, how they thought it should be written from the ground up to suit the needs of today and for the future. And Madcap Software is today one of the most successful help authoring companies in the world. Like we've done with other episodes, we asked on social media for other people to suggest things that might help people who are in this situation. So let me go through some of the replies that we had. Tina Klein-Walsh, she wrote, Not exactly a hot take, but the events of the last few years have increased the gap between HR policy and frontline management. My advice to job seekers would be to pose the deal breaker questions to frontline management, that is the hiring manager, so that the person on the inside can run interference and lobby for change, if and where needed, on the candidate's behalf. I've also had candidates try to speed up and force decisions, and in a bigger company many approvals are required, it just takes time. Don't enable shark mode. Trust the process. If the hiring manager thinks that you can do the job, they will strongly advocate for you as a candidate. If you need an answer right now, I'm okay with it. But if you can't wait and I have not secured the approval yet, you'll get a very clear answer of no. I have no other option for you. Not made in a vacuum. Fabrizio Ferri wrote, that LinkedIn works and is the primary resume that you should be curating. I see way too much effort put into drafting word CVs only for them to be ingested by some recruiting text parser. Amanda Butler wrote, if you're making a career pivot, make it absolutely clear what role you're switching to and why you're qualified for it. A good cover letter can help in that situation too. Hiring teams aren't mind readers and you don't want them to think you applied for their role by mistake. Nita Beck replied with a word of caution, I suggest including advice on how to recognise and steer clear of hiring scams, particularly for remote jobs. Unscrupulous persons are preying on vulnerable work seekers. I also read a LinkedIn post article from an organisation who announced that bad actors are posing as them and running job post-scans. Now, I've not come across these types of issues myself, I must admit, Um, but it is worth being careful when you're out there. Starfall Projects replied, helpful resources including talks on making the most of LinkedIn are on the You Got This website. It's a learning hub focused on core skills needed for a happy and healthy work life. And that is, yougotthis.io. And Aaron Collier wrote, I have lots of things I could mention, but most of them I got from reading Ask a Manager. So I'd recommend also reading that. And Ask a Manager is a website and it is askamanager.org. So I hope you found those suggestions useful if you are in this situation. If you're a candidate in the UK or mainland Europe, then our recruitment service might be of value to you. You can contact us at info at cherryleaf.com and you can find information on our training courses on the Cherryleaf website, including some free courses. So good luck if you're in that situation and I look forward to Speaking to you on the next podcast episode.